Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Stars. We wrap up this series that we've been over the past few weeks and then get ready to celebrate Easter Sunday. God, I just want to tell you, we miss you terribly. It is uh, same building, same campus, same cameras, same parking spots. But you know what's missing? You. You are missing. And so we know that sometime soon we're going to get back to be to, uh, together again. But until then, thanks for tuning in from wherever you are today. No matter how you connected in, whether it was YouTube or Facebook Live or on our app or your stream ever, how you, or you've, you've hijacked a way in. We don't care how you did it. Thanks for tuning in. It means the world that you took time out of your crazy, crazy, nutty life right now to spend a few minutes with us. And our prayer is each Sunday that it's the calming peace that gets you ready for the week ahead. You know, when we we get the news that we're getting every day, it's very unsettling. Um, I know for me in my lifetime, I've never lived through anything like this. I don't think you have lived through anything like this. I think this will be something we speak about for generations and we're living in the middle of it. But we know this, God's gonna get us through. We know that. We don't know how, but he's gonna get us through. And boy, our hearts are heavy with, with those that are sick with the virus, those that are uh, losing loved ones, our hearts are heavy for those doctors and the nurses and the first responders that are out on the front lines uh, as we do our prayer time every Wednesday at 7 o'clock. And if you've never tuned in to that, I hope you'll do that on Facebook Live, Wednesdays at 7 o'clock. As we do that, and I read back through the prayer requests, I can tell, boy, people are coming in with very heavy hearts. So before we get started today, let's take our stuff. Every Bible study, every small group that I lead, uh, we talk about taking our stuff and giving it over the Lord. That's what prayer is. So let's, let's do that together this morning. Let's take what's heavy on our minds and heavy on our hearts, give it over to him. W would you do that with me? Would you pray with me? Just right where you are right now. Maybe sitting with your spouse or sitting with your uh, children or sitting uh, with family or sitting by yourself. You finally got some quiet space and, and you're just listening in this morning. Would you just take the things that occupy you and give them over to the Lord, would you? The fears, the worries, the doubts, the concerns, the questions. Would you pass that on over to the Lord? Would you say, God, I can't, you can? Would you give those over to him and say, God, I can't, but you can? Would you pray with me for our leaders, for those that are looking for a cure, for those folks that are on the front lines? Would you pray for them? Give that over to the Lord. Would you pray for those that are, that are sick right now, not just with the virus, but, but lots of other things. Life still moves on. Would you pray for that? And then would you say, God, speak to me this morning? Would you, would you ask him to? God, speak to me. I need to hear from you. I need to be reminded of your nearness and your presence. God, no prayer we offer to you is too small or too big. God, no concern that we give over to you is beyond your sight. You're a God who cares. You're a God 
who is concerned and you're a God who covers and shelters and carries. Do all of those things for us this morning. Now God, clear our minds, clear our hearts, unclutter us for a few minutes so we can hear from you. And God, that is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, 2,000 years ago this week was an interesting week. In fact, it began on Palm, what they call Palm Sunday, where they laid down their palm branches. And we know that Jesus rode into town and, and they shouted and they waved them and they said, Hosanna, Hosanna. And boy, the disciples, they loved it. Oh, they thought, finally, he's getting his due. Finally, he's getting what he deserves, right? And he's going to take over. He's going he's to step into power and take over. Little did they know what would transpire that week. Little did they know that on Thursday, he was going to gather them in an upper room and he was going to tell them that he was going to have one of them Remember, there's 12 of them, and one of them was going to betray him. And what was interesting about that is the disciples looked around the room. They didn't know who it was, and we know that Judas got up and scurried out, which was startling, right? He was the treasurer, the guy with the money, the money bag guy. He should be the one we all trusted, right? He scurries out. We know that Jesus then began to serve dinner, and he took the bread the unleavened bread, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And I mean, they're like, what are you talking about? And then he took the, the, the juice, and he said, this is my blood that is spilled out for you. And, and I mean, their minds are whirling now. What's he talking about? We know that he left the upper room and he went down the hillside and he went to what we know as the Garden of Gethsemane and he asked them to pray. We know they slept and, and we know that he prayed and he asked, Father, if it could be your will, would you let this cup pass from me? He knew what was in store. He knew the next few hours were gonna be horrific we know that while he was there that night, he was arrested. We know that one of the guys who said he was always going to be with him. You ever had a friend that you said was always going to be with you, betray you? Well, he got betrayed that night by Simon Peter. Not once, three times. We know that over the next few hours, he was tried. There were six trials, none of, none of which should have taken place. I mean, you couldn't get on the docket that quick. You couldn't make it happen that quick. But three Roman trials, three Jewish trials, and buddy, they convicted him. In fact, they tried to get out of it. The Romans tried to get out of it by offering up Barabbas, the, the, the criminal. And you weren't, you weren't going to get crucified for a petty crime. These guys were bad guys. But they let Barabbas go and they kept Jesus. We know that they flogged him, they beat him, and it was just, it was horrific. They put his arms on this cross, this beam, and they made him walk up that hill. We know he couldn't carry it the whole way. Simon the Cyrene came and he helped him carry the cross. And we know that he was placed between two criminals, two thieves, we call them, but they were criminals. And we know that it began that day at 9 o'clock, and six hours that Friday changed history. Six hours that Friday, we still talk about 2,000 years later because for six hours from 9 till 3, 
Lots of stuff transpired on that cross. We know that Jesus made seven statements. There were seven final words. We know that the first ones he said were, Father, forgive them. It was extended not only to the Romans that were there, the Jewish leaders that were there, but it was really sort of extended to you and I too. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The second thing he uttered was to the criminal on his his other side when he said, today you will be with me. Because the criminal said, Jesus, would you remember me when you enter your kingdom? And he said, today you will be with me in paradise. Second thing he said was for others. First thing for others. Second thing for others. And then he looks down at his mom. Can you imagine your mom being there? Can you imagine your child up on that cross? I can't imagine it. And he wanted to make sure his mom was taken care of. And he said, mom, behold your son and son, behold your mom. And he was talking about the apostle John who took over care of his mom for the rest of her days. Most people think Joseph had already passed at that point. But then everything changed around noon. Darkness fell across the land and Jesus then utters words that weren't for everybody else. They were for his father and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's never called him my God before. He always said, my father, the intimacy, the Abba father. But now he's saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did you, why did you leave me here? Why did God forsake him? Why did God have to, why was the intimacy broken? Because Your sin and my sin was on his shoulders. My sin would have broken the intimacy. Pile yours on it. And the sin of humanity from the beginning to the end, God had to look away. We know that then he said, I I thirst. I mean, he had been up on this pin and he'd push his feet up to try to stay. Remember they had their legs wrapped and he would try to push his feet up to stay and his lips had dried and according to scriptures, right, we learned that, that they took this sour wine and vinegar and they pushed the sponge in and they placed it on his lips. We know the next words he uttered were the words, it is finished. In fact, back then though, it was just tetelestai, one word, it is finished, it's over, the debt is paid, my mission is complete, the job is done. We talked about that last week. And then today we encounter the final phrase he uttered while he was in his physical life before death, before the resurrection. Luke chapter 23, if you got your Bibles, would you turn there to Luke chapter 23? It's over in the New Testament. If you've got a physical Bible, maybe you've pulled out. If you've got the app out, the, the, the notes are there as well. Or maybe you're watching online, it'll be there. But I'd love for you to have something to write on. I know notes are in the outline and, and both on our website. But I'd love for you to pin down a couple thoughts today because there's some stuff in here for us. I love how each writer captured the story. They all had a different vantage point of the cross as they wrote about it. Listen to what Luke said. Luke 23, verse 44. Let's pick up reading. By this time, it was noon. Darkness fell across the land until three o'clock. Darkness took over. We know that there's some historians that have even written about that darkness. The light from the sun. I love how 
Luke phrased it, the light from the sun was gone. It wasn't the middle of the night. The sun was still up, but it was gone. You ever had an amendment, uh, a, a minute in your life that it felt like everything went dark for you? Well, it was a physical darkness. Everybody felt it. And suddenly, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. So back then you had back their, their synagogue or, or their temple, right, where they would go. There was an area you and I, just as commoners, you didn't get to go into, right? That's where you would offer up things to the Lord. It was called the Holy of Holies, and common people couldn't go there, so they would go to the priest, the high priest, the high priest would go in on their behalf, and they would take things to the Lord for them. But something was transpiring on the cross that we feel even today. That curtain in the temple that separated man from God and the way it was done. So here's God over here, his man over here. There's a curtain in between. The high priest takes in your stuff to the Lord. That curtain that day was torn in half. Why? Because what Jesus was doing on the cross gave you and I something we had never had access to before, and that was access to his Father in heaven. That's why your prayers mean as much as my prayers. He, he took them right to him. So that temple veil was torn top to bottom and Jesus shouted these words, not murmured, not spoke, not uttered. He had shouted it was finished and then he shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And every Jew that was there knew that phrase because they prayed it as, as little ones growing up. It was your bedtime prayer. Psalm 31, 5. Every Jew knew it. Every Jewish leader knew it. I guarantee you they knew it. See, we pray a prayer with our kids now. Now I lay me down to sleep and I pray my Lord, my soul to keep. And if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord, my soul will take. Creepy prayer. But that's what, you know, sort of in America, that's sort of what we've grown up doing. But then you prayed Psalm 31.5. You know what Psalm 31.5 said? Into your hand I commit my spirit. See, Jesus was just uttering what the psalmist had said, but he made it personal. Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with that, with these last words, he breathed his last. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what happened, he worshiped God and said, surely this man was innocent. He knew in the power of that moment that something had happened. What did Jesus say that day? What's it got to do with you and me? Well, Mikey just said, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. Well, there's packed in that statement are some powerful truths I learned years ago from a pastor named Rick Warren. Rick Pastor, Saddleback Church out in California, one of the world's greatest churches. He's one of the world's greatest people. Rick, Rick and Saddleback were sponsors of North Star when we started. And Rick said some things, and, I, and they were just, I couldn't say them any better. I want you to listen to what this means to us. First, I have a father who loves me. I have a father who loves me. Father, 
I entrust my spirit in your hands. Father, remember the last time he uttered the words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was a distant connection. This is an intimate connection. Father, he knew he had a God that could be trusted. He knew he had a God that loved him. Can I tell you something? Listen, listen. In your darkest moments, you have a God who loves you too. Did you know that? When the lights go out, things don't make any sense. You have a God who loves you intimately. When Jesus said that that day, It was at the end of his bearing our sin and he knew as much as God hated to see what he had to bear. He loved him and he loves you. I remember one of the greatest principles I learned from my pastor Ike growing up was this. And he probably said it a thousand times. Never forget in the dark what you know to be true in the light. Well, that's true. What do I know to be true in the light? He loves me and he loves you. And he loves you with a love you and I, we, we can't even fathom this kind of love because our love is a, it's a, it's a strings, right? I love you when you love me back. But this, this love's different. He loves us. Number two, my father can be trusted. Not only does my father love me, my father can be trusted. I entrust my spirit, Jesus said, into your hands, I entrust. I want you to write down two words, ready? Commit, right? Safekeeping. Commit, and then the phrase safekeeping. Uh, today we, we go to banks and we get safety deposit boxes, right? Or safe at our homes. But a safety deposit box at a bank is where you put valuable things for safekeeping. You know that it'll be okay. Your birth certificates, your uh, statements, your discharge papers, your all those bonds or whatever you have. So my mom was in banking 30 plus years. She had safety deposit boxes. So we had to go before when my dad passed and we had to go visit all the little, and I say visit the safety deposit. She didn't just have one. She had a couple of them where she spread her stuff out, right, for safekeeping. Do you know that your father can be trusted for safekeeping? Do you know that when you give yourself to your father, nobody can take you away? Nothing can be snatched from his hands? Safekeeping. Your father can be trusted, even when life doesn't look like it. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, listen. If we had been at the foot of the cross that day, the last thing it would have looked like was God was in control and he could be trusted. You had your vile enemies who are gambling for your clothes. They're hurling insults at you. You have your remnant of followers that are left. And it looked like everything was out of control. But he knew this. His father could be trusted. And I want you to look up at me. I want you to get this. So can yours. Not only does he love you, you can trust him. 
I want you to write down a little phrase. The great philosopher Sojin Kierkegaard said it years ago, when I can't trace his hand, I can trust his heart. Did you write that down? When I can't trace his hand, I can trust his heart. You have a father that can be trusted. But look at number three. You have a father who's doing things that you can't see. They don't make sense to you. You'll see them. See, we, we said this the other week in, in our Wednesday night prayer gathering. We said, trust always precedes faith, right? I have a father that can be trusted. Trust always precedes faith. Mike, I want a deep faith. We'll have deep trust. The more you trust, the more faith grows, right? But I have a father who's doing things I can't see. There's going to be part of this world that we live in. We can't put our arms around and we can't see. It's out of our control. I know we all got control issues. It's out of our control. That's why we hate what we're going through because it's out of our control. I can't fix it. I can't, I can't wave a magic wand over it. It's out of our control. But you've got to know your father is doing things that you can't see. Father, I entrust, and I want you to circle this phrase, my spirit into your hands. You have a physical body, but you have a spirit. I don't know if there's ever been a funeral that I've done where we didn't go to a graveside after the service, and I say, remind the family, you are leaving their tent here. That is not them. It is their physical body you are leaving here. Their spirit is alive and well, right? Jesus knew his physical body was going to be laid in that tomb but his spirit was going to live on. Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands because they are going to take his body off that cross and Joseph of Arimathea is going to come and take him and they're going to lay him in a, a rented tomb or a given to them tomb that's, that's, that's where his physical body is going to lay. But Jesus knew his spirit was alive and well. Ladies and gentlemen, all around us, and you can't see it, I can't see it, there is a spirit world at work and there is a battle for your heart and there is a battle for your mind. And listen, it's real. He understood, Father, you are going to do things I can't see. I, I just physically, I can't see them. But I know that you're there and I know you're working. All right, let me give you maybe this little um, be a good reminder. It's not something that's probably new to you, but it's a reminder. God is at work all the time, even when you can't see it. Did you know that? He's at work all the time, even when you and I, we can't see it. We can't put our hands on it. It's not tangible to us. It, it's sort of like being here this morning, talking to an empty room. I don't see you on the other side, but I know you're there. I know you're there. I was on Facebook Live just saying to go to making sure you were there. You're there, right? I trust that. Jesus knew his father could see things at that moment he couldn't see. And you've got to know your father sees things you can't see. What does that mean then? It goes back to number two. I got to trust him. I got to trust him. I got to trust in that. Final point this morning. He can handle Anything I give him, 
He can handle it. Anything. I want you to write a little phrase off to the side. Nothing too big, nothing too small. Nothing too big for him that he can't handle. And nothing too small he doesn't want to take. I think sometimes the big stuff we go, okay, I'll give that over to the Lord. The little stuff we're like, I don't want to bother him with it. I'm really sad about my, child, my child's in fifth grade and didn't get to have their fifth grade field trip and they're sad about it and I'm sad for them. Is that bad? No, it's not bad. What's bad is to hold it and not give it over to the Lord and go, God, I know you got a plan in this. I don't see it. I'm giving it over to you. My child was graduating high school and they're, they may not have their graduation. They didn't have senior week and they didn't have senior night at baseball, lacrosse, soccer, and I'm sad about it, but I feel guilty. Don't feel guilty being sad about it. Just don't take, don't, don't own it. Give it over to him. Put it in his hands and tell him he's okay. Like, I don't want to tell him I don't understand. Why he knows you don't understand. Father, I entrust my spirit and if you were here, I would ask you to say this phrase with me, into your what? Hands. Hands. So tangible. God. You know what differentiates Christianity than every other world religion? Is the personal nature that God deals with us in. Listen. At Jesus' darkest moment, he said, Father, I am entrusting for safekeeping my spirit, what you and I can't see, into your what? Hands. I want you to write down this thought under number four, and maybe it's what you need this week. His hands are strong. Would you write that down? His hands are strong. They're strong for you, and they're strong for me, and there's plenty of strength to go around. His hands are strong. See, part of the reason we deal with what we deal with in life is we own so much of it. He doesn't want us to own it. He wants us to put it in his what? Hands. You remember the song that you grew up? And I'm not, I'm not one of the preachers that sings while I preach, so I ain't gonna go up. But you remember the song? He's got the whole world, say it with me, in his what? Hands. And then the next line went, he's got the whole world wide world in his hands. He's got you and me, brother, in his hands. And he's got you and me, sister, in his hands. You know, we were talking in the hallway with some of our team, Daniel and I and Seth, were standing out in the hallway a few minutes ago talking and and uh, we were talking about the, what the house is like. And, you know, my, my kids are grown, so Mary Michael's staying with us just because she's, the, the house she's staying in in Gwinnett, she couldn't stay there, so she's staying home with us, which is awesome, having her home. But they're not little anymore. They, they depend on, I still pay for all the meals when we go out, right? That still happens when, I, when we do takeout. They may be eating with us, but they ain't contributing, all right? Even though they're in their 20s, they're not contributing yet. But I do miss them at times being little. And I remember we'd go to a Braves game, and I mean, there's an army of people trying to get in the stadium. Or we're at a Falcons game. We didn't do a lot of concerts, but Braves, Falcons, we're going to a big game, and we're leaving the parking lot, walking through a mass of humanity. And I remember reaching out, and I said, 
hold my what? Hands. Because I'm going to get you where we need to go. And I'm a dad, earthly dad. Sometimes I was scared, but I knew I could get them through. We're not reaching out, holding a frail, earthly father's hand. Listen, we're holding our heavenly father's hand into your hands. I commit my spirit. I entrust my spirit into your hands. He can handle anything you give him. Why? His hands are up for the task. I don't know exactly what entrance into heaven's going to be like. Got some pretty good ideas. I know it'll involve darkness when I close my eyes here, but the darkness will be like that. And I'm going to open my eyes there. And I just had this strange feeling there's going to be a greeting. The first greeting is going to be our Savior. And he's going to wrap his arms around us. We're going to see his hands that have held us through COVID-19, through 9-11, through the loss of a parent, the loss of a child. We'll see the hands that guided us. We'll see the hands that carried us. But here's the part. We'll see the hands that we could trust. There's going to be some scars from the proof of how much those hands loved us. Would you pray with me? Father, I, uh, I sure don't want to over-spiritualize this because you know I've let go of your hand occasionally trying to wander off on my own. But I noticed something. Your hand never let go of me. Maybe some of us watching this morning, we're believers, but fear and doubt and worry and stress and questions and concerns and They just occupy us. Would you do me a favor this morning? Would you put them in his hands? Nothing too big, nothing too small. Would you say, God, I'm taking all of this and I'm handing it to you and putting in your hands. Like I worry about my kids, I worry about my Spouse, I worry about my job. I worry about put them in his hands for safekeeping. Father, I entrust them to you. Put them in the safety deposit box and don't worry about it. He's got it and he's got you. Just take his hand. Let him pull you through the crowd. 
Let him get you across traffic. Let him walk you through that dark night with a reminder that you've got my right hand. What shall I fear? That's why Isaiah said it. Maybe you're watching this morning and you go, Mike, I just sort of wandered in. I saw somebody share it and I uh, was bored and decided to tune in with a roommate and I've never known God to be that personal. He is. I've never known he did all this with me in mind. Oh, it was all with you in mind. He took your sin, your shame, and your stuff, and he paid it. It was finished on the cross. All you've got to do is go and accept what he did. Maybe today, say, Mike, I, I want to accept what Jesus did for me today. Can I lead you in a prayer to meet him? It's not the words. It's the heart. He's saying, God, I... I can't, you can. I want what Jesus did for me. I trust you. It, it goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, would you pray this with me? Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. Would you pray, I believe you live for me. Would you pray, I believe you died for me. And then would you pray, I believe you rose again just for me. God, thanks for saving me. Jesus, nothing can stop your work. Nothing can stop your power. And God, thank you that today, somebody, somewhere on the other side of this screen, found their way home. And God, we're thankful for that. In your name, we pray. Amen.